Welcome to episode 239 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Lynn Wong. She is a designer at Lyft who we recently met at Epicurrence and we managed to get her into the studio for an episode. Yeah, we actually, Lynn and I drove back to the city together and we had an awesome conversation and we knew we had to have her on the show. There's and no, we did. We fucking did it. The best way to get to know someone is to be stuck in a car with them for four hours in crappy roads. Stuck <laughs> makes it sound worse. Also, we didn't have crappy roads because we left early. Okay. Not stuck. Uh in a car together riding in a car together i was gonna leave early and i was excited to have the company (laughs) uh we hope you enjoy the episode before we get into it we want to give a huge huge shout out to our sponsor this week brian (laughs) Bryn, and max yeah 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 Uh, our sponsor this week is spectrum it's a product that we're working on to help people build manage and grow really great online communities uh it's at spectrum.chat and if you haven't heard of it we hope you'll go check it out uh we're building it really for uh the original problem was to build communities for designers and developers just like you and it's that's, called spectrum because we built it for our podcast network spec yeah uh, then we the, found out it could be a business and now there's <laughs> thousands of designers and developers just like you hanging out on there tens across, of thousands tens you might of say thousands across fifties of thousands well <laughs> Uh, they're hanging out in all sorts of communities. Uh, we got a great Figma community, Sketch. We have a community for our own podcast network, Spec FM. Uh, we've also got more general communities like product design and front-end development. Uh, you can find all those and more at spectrum.chat slash explore or slash Spec FM is where all of our podcast network stuff goes, including channels per, com- uh, per podcast. Mm-hmm. There's like 3,000 people in there, and you can just go talk about whatever you want. We've got tons of channels, everything from design inspiration to individual shows to there's a music one for some reason because someone started that Slack channel, Brian, (laughs) and we ported everything over. So like our whole community from Slack, which is now gone, we deleted it (gasps) yesterday (gasps) (laughs) after importing for like four months. Uh, Now everything is on, on Spectrum. Uh, we hope you'll check it out if you're looking for a community that's at spectrum.chat but also if you're looking to create a community whether it's for a project you're working on or for the company you work at uh, starting a community is free at spectrum.chat give it a try you can import a slack team if you're just tired of the message limits and the the purely real-time nature of slack that makes it hard to actually have the stuff that's really good for teams and really bad for large communities yeah so if you're tired of that uh, you can try us for free uh, we hope to see you on there. You can reach us, of course, anytime uh, at spectrum.chat. Catch you there. And with that, let's get to episode 239 with Lin Wong. Hi, I'm Lin Wong. Uh, I'm a product designer at Lyft. Nice. What are you working on? Hi. Um, I'm on a team that's called Core Passenger. So I'm working on basically the passenger side of the Lyft app. But just the inside of them. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I'm working on the side of it because I'm working on the menu. <laughs> oh, like literally the side. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only the left part of the inside of each passenger. Something like that. Like, mm, yeah, cool. it's a side. <laughs> and how do you navigate inside of the, this app? So when you say core passenger, you're saying like probably what most people have experience using, right? If you think of the Lyft app, like I, I open it and I order a ride. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically, our our naming convention is uh, unclear yet. Like we have a. <laughs> it's meant but, for internal usage. <laughs> yeah, something. It's yeah core. Um, it seems like it's more important, but it's not. I, I <laughs> yeah, so it's 
really just responsible for um, the whole experience for a passenger not to yeah. the what? Not important. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, to get you to places, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. And you're working specifically on navigation. Yeah, right now that's what I'm working on. But last year I was actually working on a lot of uh, growth projects. Mm -hmm. So that was completely different, very fast-paced and a lot of experiments. And yeah, it's different. But now not fast-paced, no experiments? <laughs> okay, I take it back now. It's still fast, um, but it's kind of different. Like yeah. now... I have, um, like, I guess both team, the goals are to give people a better user experience so we maintain them, we get them to use us more. Um, but growth team, how do I say? Have you have, had experience with growth team before? Like growth teams in general? Yeah. Uh, we need to be better at growth teams. <laughs> not personally. No. Okay. Um Tell us the story of growth teams. Yeah. <laughs> How do we growth? <laughs> <laughs> um, the growth team, I mean, I feel like it really just sounds like any team. because, like, <laughs> <laughs> We want to make things bigger. It sounds we, pretty growth. We want yes. to grow. Yeah, so they would look at numbers and then they would look at, okay, so how might we engage user more? And then they measure these things based on many different metrics, like conversion, that's a big one. And then also like the daily active users and then like how how often do people interact with this feature and do we actually get them to take Lyft more, um, things like that. Super data-driven. Yeah, super data-driven. Yeah, that maybe that's the difference. Okay. <laughs> the, right now the team is data, how to data, guided by data. Yeah. Um, but the growth, they just like, Super. It's all data. <laughs> ultra data. Yeah, ultra data. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Yeah. And so how's it going working on, on the navigation? It's like a pretty important um, part. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because um, to... So this project um, kind of started a few... This is navigation like menus, not navigation like maps, right? Yeah, navigation at, as a, the menu. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because um, we looked into how people interact with our menus and what kind of problems do people have with um, with Lyft. So basically, um, when you're opening Lyft, you either are taking a ride or you have to do something else, which is usually a problem. Um, like Fixing you know, billing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe your payment or maybe you have uh, lost your items in your last ride. Setting the donation stuff is good. Oh, yeah. You know that? Mm -hmm. How did you find out about that? Uh, someone tweeted about it a while back and I <laughs> turned it on. Okay. I think I had an in-app prompt for it. Ah, great. Oh. So those things That was probably work. you, growth team. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's yeah. been a long time, but I think it's like Black Girls Who Code or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's a new one we Girls added. Code, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So two main use cases. One is like, I'm trying to use the product. And the second is like, I had a problem with the product and mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to solve it. Yeah. So how does that inform the the designer or the way you think about building out navigation? Yeah. So when we're building that, we like, this is still like the early exploration phase. So we want to make it more useful for users. Sure. And we're thinking about what if we don't just use 
a list. Yeah. What if we use something else? Sure. And what could be that something else? We're still exploring. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, that's my job. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think、uh, navigation is one of the hardest things because、uh, it will always be changing because new things are always being added. So there,、mm-hmm. there's like this constantly recurring cycle of like back to simplicity, and then it gets bloated, and then you have to like go back to simplicity, and then. Over a long enough period of time, that results in like tons of sub-nested stuff, and it just、mm. becomes like a web.、So、yeah. How do you think、exactly. about there's nests and I, webs and all sorts yeah, of stuff? Yeah. How do you how do you think about that specific problem of like dealing with bloat over time when it comes to navigation? Because the traditional thing is just like shove it in another view, or if you're on the web, just like make a bigger dropdown. Well, I'm like I'm Amazon or something. Also interested in are you doing both Android and iOS and web? Or is it mainly one or the other? Or okay, the other? so Lyft, we don't have a web version for、mm. consumers,、um, for non-enterprise people. So it's just Android and iOS. Got it. Yeah. So, what was the question again? How do you How do I think about the, that? The complexity and like bloat over time. Yeah. So the current problem right now is actually it's a little like what you described, like. Over the time, we have new features, so we're adding it to the list, and it's not as helpful as it used to be. And now there's like, what do we do? Like, there's no more space. So you make a bigger screen. <laughs> there's a Lyft iPhone expansion. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I don't have the best solution to it, but what I'm thinking about it is just like when you're designing or redesigning this, like. You should think about how you might scale, and there are many ways you could possibly deal with a lot more items. Like you said, you can nest it, and you can scroll it. Yes,、yeah, scroll it. Bop it. <laughs> It's probably、Twist、not it. the best solution. Also, you can、Shake、use it. like yeah, probably not the best solution.、You're、Throw、right. it. Yeah, or drop it.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> Throw your phone to get further down the menu. <laughs> yeah, you could also. Possibly combine like the tab bar navigation style if some of the functions are like frequently accessed, and the the rest of it you can put them on the how do you say、uh, hamburger? Yes, a hamburger. The, the drawer. Yeah. So I guess you should definitely consider like what this list might look like. What if it's really like bloated? But also, I think it would be best to document your thinking process because.、Um, As Lyft keeps growing, like we doubled our headcount last year, like a lot of things. If、uh, the new people coming, new designers taking over, and I think communication is the key. To it's not like you can prevent other teams from creating new features, but if the concept of this menu is somewhat well documented, and hopefully you know, like when you're adding new features, there's like a shared. A view on how this might work, or like, do we absolutely have to add it? Like, think about like、yeah. why you're doing it and how this might solve user problems. And can you combine something together? Can you regroup certain things?、Um, so I think, like, think about scaling and document the process. And also, I think for product design, like especially for navigation menu design, I think it's very important to. Really document like 
the reason you're doing this, give like really solid like support uh, foundation reasons for these things and get people to buy in into it. And it helps like further development. And also I kind of feel like Lyft, the primary goal of Lyft is to get you to places. So hopefully people don't just like throw in a bunch of random features like, for you to discover on the site menu. That's very yeah. distracting. Um, but yeah, overall I would say documentation and communication between teams. I like the idea of having like an overarching principle of why the navigation works the way it does. I think um, one interesting thing that stands out from my experience was that at Facebook, well, one would be that they A, B, C, D, E, F, G test yeah. the shit out of <laughs> multivariate that, testing. That but like <laughs> times 50. Yeah. But then the other problem. Multi, 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 multi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the other problem was um, at least when I was there, they had like the more tab. So it's yeah. like the, the last tab on the right. And literally it was just like, oh, if you're building something new, just that's where that's li- <laughs> just everyone throws their stuff there. And so I think people have like kind of made joking jabs at like, oh, there's a hundred features in there. You can like get the weather, you can buy movie tickets, like a you million. You can install a shitty VPN you can and ruin everything. VPN, you can find for Wi-Fi, like everything. Wow, yeah. So I'm curious like how the team thinks about this, Being more prioritized. What you're saying here about like prioritizing or at least communicating a pattern that <laughs> that the team today and the team of the future will be able to at least think conceptually about like this kind of stuff goes here, this kind of stuff goes there. Yeah, so right now it's me and my PM. <laughs> two, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> two, two people thinking about this um, primarily. I'm sure everyone else has, has thoughts on it. Um, Opinions. No one has opinions. opinions. Um, I, for the current design, I definitely don't think we should go to a place where we need to use more. I really don't think more is helpful. Like, it doesn't indicate anything, but there are just a million other things you could potentially do. But you could be the pioneer of the drop method of scrolling. Yeah. Wasn't it Adita Rahm's quotes, like, more is better or something? More dropping is better. More Drop your phone. That's the only way to fly. Yeah, more is better. Pretty sure you said yeah, that. Yeah. So okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So not more. Not more. Ideally, uh, I think we should definitely keep it simple. Like for for a Lyft user to use our app successfully, ideally, you really just need to like call a car. Like, I feel like we shouldn't just throw in a bunch of things to confuse them or distract them. Um, but how do you prevent more? Yeah, I kind of feel like it's a whole company-wise discussion that you have to talk to about. Like, hopefully people just don't want, don't just like, hey, we should do this. Like, lift. No new products, lift. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not that. I think <laughs> when you're thinking about product, like there are definitely many similar products you could group them together and still give them a clear mm-hmm. name. Like if all of these products are related to promotions or something that gets you to be more loyal to Lyft, there could be a name that guides you. Hey, it, it's not just more. It's like my awesome Lyft or like yeah. my Lyft, my Lyft, something like that. 
Trademark. 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 Flying cars. Airlift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you definitely have ways to make things clear. I don't think we should rely on like dot 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 or more to just like throw yeah. things. And I feel like, I mean, Lyft hasn't faced this problem yet, but like if one day we have to, I don't know, for some reason have a lot of features, then we should probably rethink our product. Like, are we still a ride sharing app or are we? Something more. Yeah. A ride sharing conglomerate. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that is. Uh, so it takes a little bit of like organizational discipline. Taxonomy is tough. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm. But it's nice that at least you have maybe a smaller team that's working on it, so it maybe has <laughs> we- <laughs> fewer voices in the room to argue about it. I don't know if that's yeah. A good we, thing. we definitely um, a like, singular w- focus in that there's one of you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're just two of us primarily focusing on this, but we definitely talk to a lot of people in the company from like design, from marketing, from growth team, of course, and. Just we want like all the people to give us their opinion, and whether or not we take it, yeah, it's another story. But we definitely want to hear everyone's voice and think about how we might make it work. What about from um, understanding success from that perspective? Because I imagine on the growth team, you just mm-hmm. look at numbers. Like, did we increase usage of this feature? Did we mm-hmm. decrease usage of this feature? Blah blah. But for navigation, I'm curious how you measure success in terms of yeah, so qualitative, quantitative. Yeah. So for quantitative, um, our main metrics we are looking forward to look into when we're testing it is like the, so hopefully conversion definitely doesn't go down. Don't think it's going to impact it that much. But we're looking into more like the support tickets reduction. So hopefully people find it easier to get their problem solved. So they don't get lost and write us angry emails or something like that. So that's like the metrics we're looking into. And also the idea is like to run user testing sessions, user interviews, kind of just have like user mind map on whether or not they understand these things. And if majority of them understand, obviously it's, we win. Yeah, that's game that, over. That's a, that's a goal. <laughs> yeah, so that's something we're looking into. Gotcha. Uh, Do you have any suggestions on what else we should be looking into? Seems like you have a. Oh no, I don't. Robots. <laughs> um, robots. Plastics. I think I don't know. <laughs> I, I keep coming back to like I don't. Uh, um, Snapchat is the only I, I don't use it so I don't I know everyone's pissed about the new redesign and I have no idea what to, yo Kylie Jenner she, like <laughs> yeah, changed yeah, their yeah. market value by 1.3 billion or something yeah that's crazy crazy um, what so I don't know anything about that but the one thing yeah. that stands out to me that they did early on was they just rethought the way navigation works instead of <laughs> being like um, you have a fixed set of XY coordinates and you pull and push stuff into and out of that view, like a drawer or a hamburger it, menu it or switch very tabs. Native to the platform rather than Well, they they switched that model up and said, like, you don't just have this fixed XY, you actually have this massive um spatial navigation system mm. and you're kind of just panning between those squares rather than like pulling and pushing stuff into this fixed view. I don't know. That's how I think about it. So list for teens is what you're <laughs> suggesting. Yeah. Uh, Tweens. No, no, no. That's not what Tweens. I'm suggesting. But I'm just saying like it, it's cool to see there are more patterns besides like 
a drawer coming in or a tab bar. Yeah, like they've yeah. thought of other, other, like pretty high level conceptual things. Like this is actually just a huge spatial navigation system, and you're like moving between the squares. I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think the the interaction and the transitions are something we're definitely looking into too. Don't think we're limited to a drawer. Yeah. Um. But what might that be? Hollywood we'll squares see. as a navigation model. What? What? Do you, do you remember Hollywood Squares? No. No. It's like a tic-tac-toe game that was a game show. And Whoopi Goldberg was in the middle all the time, I think. I don't remember. What does this Maybe have to do with Godfrey? It, basically, it was like a big grid. Never mind. <laughs> Thanks for cutting this, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> really yes-anding me there, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for that. I don't know where you were going with that. <laughs> <sighs> Um, <laughs> now I lost go my back. train of thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we we skip pre everything, and, mm-hmm. and then we'll catch ourselves back up to to lift and the, okay. The growth, yeah, the we don't work. we don't have to talk about lift that much if you. No, it's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, but I think it'd be helpful to set context. Like, where are you from? Okay, uh, where I'm from originally, I'm from China. Mm-hmm. Um, what the, part? It's called Xi'an. Oh, yeah. It's where the terracotta warriors are nearby. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then I moved to South Carolina. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How old were you? Uh, it was, I was like 20. Oh, okay. So that was very interesting because my hometown was like a city. A big um, one? <laughs> like big, a big city, yeah. Like and then, a tourism kind of? Yeah, very touristy because it had a lot of uh, like ancient stuff. It was like capital of China for 13 times in the history. So 13 like, yeah. dynasties, right? Yeah, like, something like that. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like the first emperor is like found his like place there. Yeah. So a lot of uh, stuff from... Just throughout the history, lots of people built like pagodas and towers and nice parks. Just a lot of things. Which is the opposite of Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting time. Why did you go to South Carolina? Mm, for some personal reasons. Uh-huh. Like fall in love with someone and just oh, like, wow. move there. Yeah. That's a big move. Yeah. Um, that part didn't work out, but... Um, I'm glad I moved. Yeah. Yeah. The sticking around the U.S. part the, seems, seems to be working out. Yeah, so the far. figuring things out. I feel like I really grew up through that experience and had to like figure out what I really wanted to do. Like before, I feel like I was more like a child. Hmm. And then I was like, oh, now I know how to do things. What things did you learn? Like, <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to be an, a designer? Is kind of more okay, of the question. Okay. All right. So um, I didn't always think I would be a designer because I actually went to school for architecture. So for so that's a, a designer. <laughs> okay, a different type of this. Okay, take that back. I <laughs> always wanted to do something uh, like creative. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a designer. I kind of feel like a lot of work involves designing, like making a software you had to design things as an engineer like being i feel like anything you design yeah so 
I went to school for architecture and uh, wanted to be an architect for a while. But after doing some internships, I kind of realized like it's not something I'm super, super, super into because I feel like I was too impatient for for that sort of design. Because <laughs> like, yeah, it would take years to see a project to get finished. And I feel like you have to be really committed or really passionate to to stick around for that. Um, although now my mind has been changed a little bit after w- watching that documentary on Netflix Which called one? Abstract. Oh, yeah. And that one episode about this architect called, I cannot pronounce his name super correct, but like called Bjarke Ingels. He just like, according to the documentary, it seems like he went to architecture school and he even dropped out before, like the last year before he graduated and then started a company with his friends and just kind of disrupted the whole architecture world. Like now he's like pretty young. I don't know his exact age, but very different from what I thought back when I was in school, how how architects work. Like mm. what I thought then was more like you have to work for forever building really mediocre stuff. And then if you're lucky, when you're like in your 60s, you get to build like airports or something. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. But this guy kind of changed my view. So you redesigned the Denver airport because it's miserable. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had to wait till I'm 60. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not an architect, so I cannot do that. But, but Lynn, the- <laughs> you're letting us down. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. And then when I moved to South Carolina, it was more like I still wanted to do things that involves like making things or, cre- or create things. And then I found this major called graphic communications. Um, but it's really a lot about packaging design and print design. And I thought, huh, it's a smaller scale of uh, architectural design. Like in my head, because you're designing like commercial products, probably very, like the turnaround is like fast and you see your product on the shelves or like in store. Um, like industrial design, I feel like you make products such as like smaller scale and just faster, easier. Sure. That's what I thought. Um, and then it was really fun to learn how to design for different products, like how they get printed. Um, but still, I feel like it wasn't something I was super, super into. I feel like I did a lot of a try and error kind of thing. Um, but then fast forward, like after I graduated, um, I had a mentor who recommended me to move to the West Coast. Um, I guess he had like years of experience, just predicted that the West Coast is better for me to do design-related work. Why, why do you think he thought that? Because mm, he talked a lot about when he graduated from school, which was probably 20 years ago or more, um, he was saying when he was looking for jobs, he would actually go to the actual place. Like he would go to New York, he would go to um, California just to be there and physically be in the place. And he thinks that um, that way you would get interviewed more easier because yeah. p- company companies don't have to like fly you out or whatever. So was this a professor or something? No, he wasn't a professor. I met him at a conference. Um, I got a scholarship in grad school. So they flew me there. And then, so I met him there. He was just 
very happy for me, I guess. Um, so we became friends, and he ran his own company in South Carolina, actually. And uh, so he would just tell me his like career path, like what he did before, and then. So he was just basically telling me based on his personal experience, he's like, you know, I think um, if you want to do design-related work, West Coast seems like a great place and you should actually go there and give it a try. Whether or not you like it, you'll find out. So, At, at this point, you, your experience was mostly in like graphic and packaging design, is that right? Or had you um, started working on, on digital stuff, websites, products, things like that? Okay, so I think at that point I was mostly architectural design. Actually, still architectural design. Yeah, and then for the for the print part, um, I guess I would say architecture school was like five years, so it was very long. So the grad school was only two years. So I would say most of my knowledge was architecture still, but for for the packaging design part, there are some mostly print and a little bit web and. That's about it. Like, not much. Was this all at Clemson? Yeah, Clemson. Yeah. And, and so what was the expectation uh, going to the West Coast? Like, he, he says, move out to California. Do, do you have an idea of what you wanted to do or the kinds of companies you're going to look for? Or is it just sort of like, there's work out there and I'll figure it out? Yeah, that's a mindset. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a little scarier. It was a little scary, but... I guess I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes you don't really know what's out there because people around you don't know and you don't see what's possible. So it's really hard to set an exact goal. But I knew that I was not super clear what exactly I wanted to do, but I have a direction, which is I want to be working on design-related Um and what exactly that is, I wasn't super sure at the time. So, but I know I can do design because, like, in you know, you learn different tools, and when you're designing architecture, you learn how to think about designing things. Um, so, I think I just had the confidence back then that I had these skills that I could use. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I think that's how. Leaving college feels. <laughs> I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, then I moved to San Francisco. And what happened? So, On a whim. What? On a whim? Kind of. Just kind of just wanted to be here was the whole thing? Yeah. All right. Because, okay, my, my thinking process. expensive. <laughs> okay. My thinking process was, okay, so I've been to LA before. I had never been to San Francisco. Basically the same thing. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and then I'll give it a try. So I just bought a one-way ticket and just flew here. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of terrified. So, like, I feel very nervous right now. <laughs> yeah. One-way like, tickets? Clearly, I know that it worked out. This is like yeah, a prequel, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit of plot tension here, even though... <laughs> It'll turn out okay. So what, what happened? Act three is feeling a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> so one-way ticket, you land at SFO. Yeah. Did you have a job lined up? Or? No, I didn't have any. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did you have someone to stay with? <laughs> I I found a place before I came here for like a month. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there was some preparation. You're stressing me out. My, my no, blood pressure is going I just up. Buy, buy a ticket and fly here on a day. Like I thought about 
Maybe it's, it's so expensive. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> did, didn't think that much, but thought a little bit. Like I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. You know, I want to see what's out there, and if it doesn't work out, I'll go to LA. <laughs> <laughs> fallback. LA is most people's fallback. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean that that I'm, was I'm what I was totally thinking. Kidding. I don't know. I feel like I, you know. I don't know that many cities in America, so I can't really compare. So I just well, thought LA, San Francisco, the same. LA is basically like a hangover as a city. <laughs> You're going to offend a lot of people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get a lot of Twitter mentions on this, but I mean it. Okay. <laughs> I stand by it. I really don't like being in LA. Okay. I like LA. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's focus. Let's keep on plot here. Okay. Uh, so you made it to SFO. You'd done a little bit of planning. You had a place to stay. Uh, yeah. How did you so, start going about like organizing a life here? Um, so I started looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like how? looking online. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to ask how did you look for jobs, but yeah. you, you were getting there. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm dragging this really long. But basically, I started to look online. Um, I forgot what tool I was using, probably some like job sites. And because my major in grad school related to printing, and there's this job at this printing company, and it's about screen printing. And uh, I was a TA in school, and I taught like screen printing classes. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. So I applied there, and they hired me, not as a printer, but it's more like a I would say like a project manager sort of thing. Like you have to know design, then you help your clients, and then you also like see through how print goes. How many jobs do you think you applied for, including this one? Or was it just this one? Mm, I don't remember a few, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So my, sounds funny now, but then I was thinking like, okay, I think I'll just give this a try and see how it feels and you learn from it. Sure. Yeah. So um, I applied maybe like less than five jobs. Wow. But this one, I don't know, just maybe because I had like experience in printing in school. Like, I got this unlock. Yeah, something, I don't know. Just, this job was, has Lin Wong stamped on it. <laughs> boss. I don't know. It was actually well, really fun. Letter pressed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a family-owned business. So everyone feels very like, friendly with each other and it was fun but it definitely is not something I wanted to do quickly learned that because it it doesn't involve much of designing or any anything super creative um but during that time I feel like I actually got lucky for working there because I had um a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do and back then you know, in order to figure out what I wanted to do, I would go to different meetups. The topics all vary. It doesn't. It wasn't necessarily like design meetups or or anything. I just wanted to like talk to people and see mm-hmm. what they're working on. And also, like I guess because you live in San Francisco, you just naturally make a lot of friends with people who are designers or software engineers. It's kind of a small city. It is very small. I learned that. Um, so during that period of time, I was just thinking like, hey. I had never heard of product design before. Also, back then, it wasn't called product design. It was just like design for software. Um, but, you know, after you talk to people, I kind of realized like, it's very similar to architecture design in a way because, like, you're 
basically solving a problem. Like for architecture, you have to think about like what this is built for, who is going to use it, and where do people come from, and how you might make it work for them, and what material it might use. And so all of these things you have to consider and how much it costs, and you know where does the power go, where does the water go, and like a lot of considerations going on, and you have to think about all that and then. Make it work, yeah. And also, like when you're presenting your work, you have to explain like why this works and why people should listen to you. How physics do? <laughs> yeah, how anything do? Um, <laughs> and then for product design, I feel like it's very similar because you're also solving problems for this particular many users. Like, where do they come from? What do they want to do? And who is building this? You have to coordinate with like engineers, PMs, and then you have to think about how you might market yourself. Or these two things coordinate a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. You mean architecture and yeah? How do you handle as many users? How does that change based on the weight of the users in the place? Yeah. <laughs> Where does the plumbing go? This is user load. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. See, get my point. Like, put the I... maps down. <laughs> the, the, the navigation. Yes. So. <laughs> so there, so you started befriending people doing this kind of work, yeah, and it looked interesting. Yeah, that's when I got interested in it. Um, but I kind of feel like, okay, so I think I can do this, but I don't think anyone else thinks I could do this because I don't have a portfolio. Um, <laughs> so then I joined a. Actually, it was like the time where I saw like an ad. It was like we can teach you how to do uh, UX design. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I think I need some more knowledge on this. It will bridge the gap for me to actually become a designer for software. So I joined that boot camp. And during that time, what I feel like was really helpful for me was like I was actually given time and guidance to work on portfolio. And also, I because I was like in this like learning mindset. I think it's really great for actually for people who are starting to because you're you put yourself in this like a beginner mindset. You just want to learn. So I actually cold emailed a lot of designers that I like. One person we mutually, oh, I think we already like him, like Daniel Berka. Uh huh. He's one of the person I emailed. Um, so we I, all really like him. Is really like it's <laughs> Daniel Berka. Colon, we all really like him. <laughs> we all really like him. Yeah. Yes. Episode so, 100 design details. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also co email a lot of people and to talk to them about their work and what they do. And, you know, they all shared a lot of knowledge on me. And then it was that whole period just was really helpful for me to like learn about what people really do in their jobs and what skills I need to have and how I might put together a portfolio. Could could you talk a little bit about your cold email strategy? There was a <laughs> there was a spectrum. Well, you conversation. put them in the fridge for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there was a spectrum conversation a couple of weeks ago about uh, how to or like strategies around setting up coffee meetings with people, mm-hmm. how to approach it, and how casual should it be? Should you go in with like? Uh, a list of of questions that you want answered, or is it more about just building an initial relationship? So I'm curious how you approached the okay. the cold email side. Was it every person got the same list of questions? Who did okay. you who did you email that kind of stuff? 
All right. Now I have to think about what I do was thinking. Do you have thinking. thoughts on this, Brian, as, <laughs> yeah, as a receiver? Because I <laughs> definitely do. Yeah. I mean, we could share it, but it sounds like it worked for you. So that's yeah, what Yeah, let's I'm hear really, about what worked. That's what I'm really trying to also talk about. Is, like, okay. like, how okay. can other people learn how to effectively cold email people like Daniel Burka and get, get a reply? <laughs> Sorry, Daniel, for your inbox. <laughs> you got, I got so many emails now. Um, okay. Don't tell him we sent it. <laughs> yeah, you. do not tell him we said it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't think I had like a strategy, but I think my main... The way of doing it is like, first of all, you have to kind of know who you want to talk to. Mm. Like the the first step, like what type of designers you think are interesting and think about why you're interested in them. Like maybe get familiar with their work and just generally like, I think you have to like really think they're good because then you, you can learn from them. So pick your... People first. It just reference everything we've ever done. Like, sup, Daniel? No. I really, I really dig your work, and I wanted to pounce on this opportunity and milk it for all it's worth. Wow. <laughs> no. Well, you can do that. It's up to you. Um, and something, something, GV. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think yeah, find your people, and then you know, get familiar with the, what they do, and you know, you, and then you just be yourself. Really, you just say, you know, you want to learn from them. You think the work is pretty awesome and you are at wherever you are, like a beginner or somewhat have some experience. But I think you should just be very direct of what you think you want to learn or you feel like, you know, whether or not you want to learn what their daily work is like mm-hmm. or recommendation for beginners to whatever they need to do. Just have like a purpose. Like you want to meet this person not to waste their time. Like I'm don't, sure, don't say pick your brain. <laughs> no, yeah, That's don't say bad. that. That sounds scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you should definitely have like a purpose, but you don't have to go super crazy lengthy. Like these ten things are <laughs> are what I expect from you. But like, like be be straightforward and be clear of what you're looking for. And definitely, you should be familiar with the work because then it just it's like spam. Um, Especially if they've written about this stuff before. Yeah, like <laughs> do your research. Yeah, do your research saying, yeah. and be clear of what you're looking for and just be genuine and it doesn't have to be long. I don't think I wrote like a super lengthy email to Daniel. Um and then I think that's it. Like find your people, do your research, be clear of what you're looking for and just try to learn from them. That's great. Bren, you said you had a couple things that Yeah. Drive yeah, nuts. What just, can, teach us. Yeah, <laughs> teach I, us. I think one of the common what's things, an effective way for me to email you and get, actually get a reply? Because <laughs> Lord well, knows it's not happening right now. That's not something that you're going to get. Um, <laughs> mainly because I know you have nothing to offer me in return. So uh, you did your research. <laughs> I did my research. I will Google you. <laughs> uh, no, I think a lot of people reach out and just say like, hey, I want to pick your brain about like something vague. And I'm like, but that's, I've written about this or I've like put my ideas out here. Like you can go listen to this podcast or something. <laughs> like I'm I'm not going to like just answer the questions again. But mm-hmm. if you have questions afterwards, that's good. Like I'm not saying you should go listen to like 300 hours of podcasts because 
God knows we've done them. We but... answered it somewhere in the last 240 episodes of Design Details. Somewhere in there. <laughs> Not we, someone on her show. <laughs> Just having having a purpose to it is really valuable, like like you were saying. And like making sure you did your homework a little bit so that you aren't just asking something like if someone gets the same questions over and over and you think they probably did they've probably written about it somewhere or they've really Hopefully. probably put it out somewhere yeah. um, whether that's like on Twitter or something else yeah. like Twitter advanced search is pretty great so like if you have a question and you're like I think this person can answer it you can search if they tweeted about it huh. it's, oh. it's not super hard so I didn't know that but Twitter advanced <laughs> search is very good I never remember the URL and I always google it okay <laughs> I used it three times today. Nice. Wow. That's actually, I don't think I've ever used it. Twitter advanced search is awesome. Like these accounts said any of these words or something like that, or like this exact phrase or whatever wow. it is. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's my own. It's my All own right, that was fine. That was fine. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Yeah. What about you? Uh, oh, buy coffee too. If you're asking someone out to coffee, you pay. Yeah. Also follow up. If you were, Asking them questions and they give you some suggestions. It's nice to follow up. It's not a big deal, but especially if you're being vague and someone's like taking the time to get coffee with you, yeah. it's just a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about the paying thing because I think the conventional thing is like, yeah, if you're asking someone for their time, you should buy their coffee. But I generally have bought coffee for people who've asked me to meet for coffee. I have too. If they're like, I'm saying like <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> a nice thing to do. Especially if they're like a student or if they're in a job search, it's like, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, the smallest, the smallest possible thing you could do. Yeah. Um, I mean, like just offering, like saying, like I value your time yeah, is yeah. like a nice yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, uh, it is kind of echoing what both of you said is like have it be something actionable. So like, hey, can we meet up? I'd just love to pick your brain. Is is too vague? And it's like we're probably mm-hmm. just going to spend an hour talking about. <laughs> Stuff, which isn't, I'll, I'll still like, respond, but I'll yeah. say like, hey, do you have specific questions yeah, that I yeah. can answer or like something? It's, it's not a waste of time, but I think the, the important thing is just like consider the person you're sending an email to, uh, you know, has, has fixed time and like an actionable one or two questions is really nice. I think sharing some context about where you're at is also helpful. Yeah. So like answer them in context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I'm, uh, I treat my inbox like a to-do list. Um, and oh, so, that's how I put things on your to-do list. And so <laughs> a long email is a really long to-do that I will just procrastinate and mm-hmm. maybe never get back to. And so a short to-do is like, hey, like two sentence of context setting, one sentence of questions, and then I can just respond in like two sentences. That's great, even if the responses like i don't know um so hey like I making it easy for someone making the weight of of the response feel really really small mm-hmm. is i think important hey i know you did this set that context uh i'm in this situation right now do you have time to answer some questions about x and y yeah. like is a good format i think yeah cool. sounds pretty good we all have that same experience <sighs> all right got that out of the <laughs> coffees <way. Yeah. laughs> coffee all right. I, I want to know. So okay. you're getting these cold emails. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> sending these. Sending these cold emails. You're getting responses. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what what sort of responses did you get that then changed your trajectory? Like what did you do next or what did you learn that, that moved you to the next step? Like some of the positive responses that helped me grow? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, yeah. How, how did the, the result of, of this experience like move you to closer to what you're doing now? Okay. So I I bet all the new 
designers or designer who are trying to get into this field who are new, whether or not you're like older or younger, you probably feel a little nervous. You're like, ah, oh, this is a whole new world. I don't know what to do. So I think it's very important that someone you respect um, help you to gain confidence. So many of these um, call emails I send out, like people who responded to me when we meet up, um, they're super encouraging. And um, like, for example, Daniel, mm-hmm. like, uh, we talk- he's a very encouraging person. Yeah, he's very encouraging. And when we first met, I remember he was just telling me, like, you know, forget about all these like buzzwords. <laughs> UI designer, UX designer, interaction <laughs> designer, you know, just you're just solving a problem. You're just making things work. And then like talking to him and just you just feel like, okay, like he helps you to not be scared of like this kind of mysterious world. And then you just like feel more confident in like, okay, this is it's not as scary and then like like feeling okay with unknowns kind of thing yeah and then you get design feedback from your mentors or you know these people that you email and then you just feel like okay they it definitely there are all these positive things in my portfolio and then also now I have feedback on how to improve them it's like, okay, now my portfolio is even better. <laughs> so you just have more confidence. I think that's very important. Not saying like you should be cocky or anything, but once you kind of feel like, okay, so these designers that I respect and admire like my work, so it means I have potential. Yeah. <laughs> and then it really helps you to like, when you go out there to interview at companies, you you just feel more like grounded. You feel like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do these work. Um, it might not be what this company needed because apparently different companies need different type of designers. Not all companies are open to people who are new, but then you still, you won't be like, take it too personally Mm -hmm. and you can still feel, you know, especially when you have good mentors, when you have some problems or you have the questions, um, when you talk to them, you just feel like, you know, now, I learned more and I understand it better. And then you can, it helps you move forward. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest benefit I had, which is like, you feel more confident confident about yourself and then you feel more motivated to um, to grow. And If you haven't go done work you're proud of, it's really hard to be confident. But if other people show confidence in you and like that you're doing the right, making the right decisions, that feels like... It's like pseudo confidence. It's it's like confidence by proxy. Root level confidence. <laughs> no. Different pseudo. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Jesus. That's pseudo. Super user do. Pseudo. Not pseudo. 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 <laughs> Sorry. We're making yeah. a really bad joke. It's okay. No, but um yeah, I think that sort of encouragement was very helpful. So find a good mentor and be motivated and learn. Hey, up Daniel Berka. Don't tell him we sent you. Yeah. Get Daniel's mentor. <laughs> He's the best one. That's the one takeaway from this episode. Oh, my God. The- <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. So what, what happened next? Okay. So what happened next? I went through a lot of interviews. Um, it was very interesting. Like some days I would have like three interviews. Um, you definitely get better at interviewing 
when you interview more. Mm-hmm. So I interview with a lot of startups. You also get more depressed as you do more. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's a way. Like you should. <laughs> that's one way to think. Be, be positive. Like the more you get turned down, the more you feel <laughs> real bad about yourself. No, I think okay, that's very true. Like if you if you if you always get rejected, but I think back then I had this mindset where you know I do know I had my value. Mm. I do know I, I can do certain things, and given my background, because I feel like everyone everyone who becomes designer brings something different to the table. I know a lot of people who um, turn into like product design from like architecture world, but then there are many who turned into uh, this field from like marketing or sales or, or anything really. Like it's really up to what you want to do and mm-hmm. you go for it. So I, 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 I think I, because I talked to other people, I feel like there are things I can do. So I, I wasn't like very turned down by like if people rejected me. You had validation. Yeah. Some like self-validation and also validation from like yeah. people who I, External validation goes a long way. (laughs) But Um, I think you're right. The internal validation is probably like way more motivating. Yeah. I can can keep going. Yeah. I also, okay, another person I called emailed actually also helped me a lot, um, which is uh, Justin Edmund. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Justin's great. Yeah. He was great. He is great. (laughs) Um, He's fine now. (laughs) He was great before. He's great. (laughs) Anyway, he's great. Um, so he told me about his like you know career path ish. Like he told me how he joined Pinterest and when it was like really small. And so because we talked about that, somehow I just like it just like Im- what's a word I- embedded in my brain that that's a word. Um, <laughs> that's a word. Well, that, it's like three, but that four. Like, <laughs> okay, like you can do it. Like yeah. as one designer for a small startup, it's possible. At least you I've, can be really successful <laughs> as one designer in a startup for sure. Yeah, so that that's the idea in my head. So I, I feel like I was again like that's like the encouragement I was talking about, where you just feel like okay, you know, this is normal. I can do this, and so it help you to like not feel too scared or bad when things don't work out. Mm-hmm. So. Where'd you end up? What? Where'd you end up after this job search? Okay. So after this job search, um, I started to work for a very small startup. Um, it's called Roost. Um, they got acquired by a company from Australia recently. So Roost, the uh, like browser notification thing? No, no. they... <laughs> storage? Yeah, storage. So, oh. <laughs> so I was the only designer there. <laughs> it's very different. That, that name, yeah, the common name. Um, that was definitely like a very interesting time where being the only designer with the, I think we have like six people back then. Um, so it was like actually very fun because you have a lot of uh, freedom in creating things. And because I worked directly with the engineers and the CTO and the CEO, we I got so many feedback so quickly. It actually helped you grow a lot because you're just like, okay, I think I can do this. And you're just like taking all the feedback and just trying to like get things done. And then um, 
that startup got、um, accepted into 500 startups. So we all moved into this like co-working space, <coughs> and there are other startups going going on there. So it was. Kind of helpful to like peek into like what other startups were doing, and many of them didn't really have designers,、um, but the ones that did have designers, I felt like it was pretty, pretty useful or helpful to just kind of see what they're doing. Sure. And also they had these like, I don't know what you call them, like maybe mentors from 500 startups where they talk about. How to pitch people and how to run your business. So I kind of feel like、mm-hmm. I also learned a lot about things that's not directly about design. So that I feel like that really pushed you to. Advisors are very helpful. The what? Advisors are very helpful. Yeah. So. So how long did you stay at Roost?、Mm, not very long. <laughs> what happened?、Um, not why did you leave, but like what what was next? Yeah. So actually, nothing bad happened there. But、um, someone from this other startup called Hitmonk、uh-huh. reached out to me, and then I always thought Hitmonk was an interesting product. They have a cute mascot, and they have this interesting way of like displaying information. And it's a slightly bigger company. Then I just feel like at that point, when I was at the last startup, I just felt like okay, I'm learning a lot, but like. Now here's a problem, which is, as a team of one on the design,、um, even though I could talk to other designers about things, but I kind of feel like I stopped growing because I feel like I I don't know how I can learn about better ways of doing things. Sure. So when they reached out, I was really interested. So I interviewed with them, and then I started working there. That's great, <laughs> and that team had like four designers, so it was definitely different. And I also started to work with more engineers, and started to actually have a PM to work with. Like my last startup, there is no PM, so you get to know like a little bit more of how other things do product.、Um, and should I keep going? Yeah. And <laughs> and again, like. Towards the end of my time at Hitmonk, again, I just felt like I wasn't really、yeah. learning anything or growing as a designer. I just felt like something needed to change. And the, interestingly, I so I was I was rock climbing a lot before,、um, and I met this friend at the gym, and he worked at Lyft. And one day, just randomly, he's like, "Hey, Lynn." How long have you <laughs> been at Hitmonk? Are you interested in Lyft? That's too long. You probably have vested. Come work here. Um, something like yeah. So that started the conversation, and I did my por- portfolio. Um, again, I think. Okay, I feel like my story jumps a lot. Like the portfolio no, this part. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So I prepared my portfolio, and. It, Applied at Lyft. My friend referred me, and you know went through the process, and yeah, it's been great. Now I work at Lyft. Now you work at Lyft. For、yeah. how long have you been there now? Lyft. Yeah. And a year and two months. It's quitting time. Dang. <laughs> I'm telling Katie. <laughs> Lock her down. 
one thing that I like is it sounds yeah. like you're pretty in tune with yourself on when you know it's time for the next step. I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is like knowing the right time to quit and either move like laterally startup to startup or move startup to big company or like really chase, I don't know, maybe, perhaps where they're the weakest. It sounds like maybe you just wanted to learn more about like working with the team or working with engineers. And so you figured out ways to do that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not the master of it. <laughs> but I think the, not the trick or anything, but I think it's great to talk to other people. You kind of learn about what they're doing, how they're feeling. You kind of generally, like there are different like designers at different stage in their life. They just kind of talk and then you think about what you want. And well, that's the hardest part is like, <laughs> I know it's hard. there's so much projecting what do I around. Want? Yeah. What do you want? To go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. It's basically me 24 seven. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's important to talk to other peers or people who you think are interesting. Yeah. Just, I, I, I could probably count on two hands the number of people I know that are like truly happy and want to stay at the job they're at. I feel like everyone's always at least in... Two hands is generous. Two hands is generous. <laughs> I feel like most of the, the folks that I've ended up hanging out with in this industry are like always, always, always looking for the next opportunity. Opportunistic assholes. Just kidding. <laughs> Not necessarily assholes. I went to maybe after opportunistic, and not 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 a bad way. Just like yeah. looking why for are they like that? Are they? Just, I don't know. I don't okay. know if it's it's designers or cynicism. But I, I think <laughs> I think that's reflected in the numbers that generally people don't stay at tech companies more than a couple of years. Like it's an, yeah. an it's an anomaly to make it for four years. That's it's an anomaly to make true. it two years. Yeah. Oh yeah. How long were you at your last job? <laughs> <laughs> Year and a half. <laughs> Eight months. Eight months. <laughs> so there you I've go. been here for a year now. So yeah. yeah, I've been working on Spectrum for a year. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I well, I, I would say that to agree with you. I think it is important to talk to other people, but I think the context to have is what exactly what you said. Like everyone's at a different stage in their life and everyone wants to to leave their job for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times it's financial, but a lot of times it's just like, oh, I just want to switch teams or yep. work on a different kind of problem or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot, like just through talking about two people and also like personal experience, I feel like when you feel like, like I feel like a big part of why people leave is like they feel like they're not valued. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they either try to change that or they just leave. I think that's honestly more of a tendency in design than in, a, in most other fields that I've worked with. Like I think engineers leave less frequently and designers really? leave more frequently oh. in my experience. Huh. I'm gonna need to see some data on that. Yeah, it's anecdotal for sure. <laughs> no, kidding. no argument there. Yeah, yeah but I, that definitely feels like my experience, I guess. Yeah, I wonder why. Maybe engineers just more vocal about their needs, and then they get it changed. I think it's it's easier to quantify their value in many cases, which yeah. makes it like easier to be like, "Hey, this is a thing I contributed." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, how do you make it easy to design? feel valuable? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so now you're everyone codes. Um, <laughs> so now you're a little over a year mm-hmm. into, to lift. Uh, what's keeping you up at night these days? I sleep pretty well <laughs> at night. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, Metaphorically, though. 
Okay. So you're asking like what yeah, well, uh, I'm excited about or Yeah, whatever. could be that's a, that I like that you optimistic jumped, approach. <laughs> I love that you jumped optimistic first cuz most people interpret it as negative, stressful. Huh. Which I guess would be the his, history of that that sort of question, but yeah, what are you excited about? What keeps you up? Okay. Keeps the the oil burning, so to speak. <laughs> what I'm excited about nowadays it sounds like I think things I'm going to say all sounds like self-improvements, but it really is. Like, um, I'm very excited to learn new tools. Yeah. Um, not going to name them. Sounds like I'm advertising. but Flinto and Framer. <laughs> you said earlier. <laughs> we'll do it for you. You we'll, can just say it. It's fine. We'll advertise for you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm interested in those tools. We I, like those people. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, use them. Um Okay, too far. <laughs> Come on. Come on. That's what you're interested in. Don't try to make other people interested. Okay. That's sponsorship uh, dollars down the drain. <laughs> Lynn, how dare you? I'm very interested in them. Um, yeah, like I, I feel like I'm always interested in like new tools. Like yeah. um, I think a year and a half ago, um, I took this other boot camp. It's a, it's a boot camp where they teach you code to prototype. Yeah. Code path. Code path, yes. Um, so that was super fun. Like that kind of like in two months, you learn how to. You can literally make all the interactions and animations in Swift, which is amazing. And you really don't have to have any experience coding before. And then there's just a way for you to learn. That's amazing. And it can be real instead of a prototype. Yeah, it's super real and still a prototype. The opposite of prototyping, <laughs> the thing where it's real and you can do it. It's real. Closer to real, real. Yeah, so it's just like... Because it's real, real. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep arguing this. Okay, it's real, real, <laughs> real. To a degree where you still... <laughs> still to a degree. So something's still lacking there. but It's some kind of prototypical version of real. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> so where was I? Um so learning that was super fun. So now I discovered these other two tools that you can also do prototyping. I kind of just have this idea that I want to learn them yeah. and then compare them and then figure out what's when to use which tool. Yeah. It sounds maybe too complicated. I think in the end, I'll just still be using one thing that I'm good at. But yeah. Code. Cool. <laughs> no, I, I think that's important because there's like people complaining, oh my God, there's so many design tools, but the, a lot of them are built for different purposes and it's about knowing which stage of which project you're working on to know which one of the tools. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of something I want to do because like coding, obviously, like you said, is super real. It's weird the way but, coding works for all these stages. I don't no, know. That's not true at all. Yeah, but sometimes like to make something animate, you still have to have these blocks of code, but in other prototyping tool, you might only take one minute to put them together. Yep. So I feel like I want the fastest way to do things. So that's I why. I want to find this one minute design tool. <laughs> this is, I'm challenging that statement. <laughs> okay, but one minute does not include <laughs> the 10 hours of learning things or whatever. And, just... You know, yeah. One minute, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's a goal to like find the Perfect tool for perfect. I don't know. It might. It might never happen. But that's like an idea. But the pursuit seems worthy. Yeah, it's very exciting for me, at least. And also, I recently started to relearn Cinema 4D. Cool. Yeah. Back Are in, you doing 3D for designers? 
No. Oh. Well, what is that? Oh, never mind. <laughs> we'll show you a thing later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so because in I, I learned it before when I was in school, and I really liked it. And now I just feel like I'd like to pick it back up. Yeah. Mm. Just because I like it, and I feel like it gives me satisfaction. Cool. So that's what I'm excited about these days. Just, I feel like I don't always feel like, ah, I want to learn all these. So when I actually feel like it, I feel pretty excited about nice. being excited about this. That's great. So, so learning, we're excited too. Thanks so much for coming to hang out. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Okay, great. That's great. We're out of time. Yay. <laughs> wow. Don't be that excited. Boom. <laughs> well, hopefully it's helpful to someone. That was 239. Thanks so much to Lynn for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. Come hang out in our Spectrum community at spectrum.chat slash specfm. We got a design details channel in there where we post all of our episodes just like this. Uh, and of course, there's a ton of other stuff for designers and developers just like you. You can find a bunch of cool communities at spectrum.chat slash explore. Yeah, you can join any number of them with just one account. You don't have to manage like separate settings and notifications and all that shit that we used to have to manage on Slack. Uh, it's great. We hope you check it out. And thanks so much to Lynn for coming and hanging out on the show. See you next week. talk about yoga forever <laughs> really no, no. Okay. i don't know much about yoga it's okay what uh, do you want to talk about i can do things. crow want to learn about that's you? all i know about yoga i cannot do crow very well sarah can't either <laughs> okay. i can't either it's the one place i'm good at yoga <laughs> everything else i'm bad at i'm not so a flexible you, boy see that's why when you're but, not flexible you can do those easier uh-huh. really that's what i learned because you put it, your knees on your elbows which is yeah. i know what the position is Yes. Why would being not flexible help that? So basically, if you're super flexible when you're like upside down, your back is more like a noodle if you think about it. Because you're so flexible. Yeah. You're, mm, that sounds delicious. You're not like... It takes you more, you more effort to hold... Stabilize. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not flexible, you're actually naturally just kind of holding <laughs> yourself there. <laughs> naturally like a plank of wood. Got it. <laughs> yeah. That's me. That's where I live at. Okay.